0: Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, informs, and embraces the spouses beside the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care, and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets defence life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever and whenever you want. And with products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses, you'll wonder why you didn't join sooner. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be.
1: Welcome to the podcast, co founder of Inno Club, Chris North.
2: Thanks for having me, Beck. So finally, I get the opportunity to be a part of your program, which is really exciting.
1: For people out there who don't know who you are and what Inno Club is, can you tell us firstly about what Inno Club is?
2: Inno Club is a charity. As soon as that's the opening sentence, people go, what? Oh, another charity in the veterans space? Well, this is a little bit of a different angle. We're a not-for-profit organisation. We're about to go through our DGR status as well to become tax deductible. And our purpose is to foster veterans and first responders and their spouses and families through transition. And that transition takes us into civilian life with Doing things like accredited courses in transition and business ideation and business development. And so what we do is that we use education to say, well, you've got military knowledge or you've got experience or you've got business knowledge or you've got some sort of lived experience. And what we want to do is kind of translate that experience and that knowledge into civilian life so you can become your own business operator or your, your own person or actually become even a better educated resource that can be used in other areas.
0: Why defence
1: partners and veterans? Why are they the people that you feel this program is best suited to?
2: You and I both agree and we share a same common view that defence partners are an exceptionally important part of the equation. In fact, they are inextricably linked to the veteran that they shouldn't be separated you can't look at somebody who's serving and the spouse or the partner as separate items and we certainly don't because you as an ADF member might transition but then you've got to remember your family transitions as well your partner your wife your husband they transition as well so they've set up their life then they have to move and every time you move somewhere you go to a new place you've got a whole system around you that kind of uproots and moves with you. We feel that's an important part of the element. And we're coming out of the position of clubs, right? So we're associated with clubs and community clubs and RSL clubs. So clubs like that are rooted in community values. And it's not just about one person. It's about the whole community being a part of it. So the veteran spouse and family, vitally important in that equation.
1: Entrepreneurship and innovation and self-employment and all that sort of category. Why is that suited to veterans and spouses?
2: Let me take a step back. The first, why entrepreneurship and why that type of business ideation? We now have a modern time, okay? The the modern veteran is a very different person to what was seen 40, 50, even 60 years ago. And the reason I say that is because we have to understand that the skills that a person went into the ADF to get, certainly for my grandfather, but maybe even for my father, who's in his mid-80s, that skill set is very different. To somebody who is maybe my 17 year old son who's considering going into the military. And the skill set that they're going to attain in there is totally different. It's chalk and cheese. And so, what that means is that when people have left their service, they're coming out either with a skill set, which is really kind of indicative and important to them that we can take into a civilian life. Whereas in an older time, they really just came out of service and it was like, so what are you going to do now? It's like, oh, I don't know. I don't don't know what I've got. Now, as much as there are transition services, which try and say, oh, no, no, we can transition you into a new job. It's still a little bit iffy, but it's a broader spectrum of skill sets. So people go into Defence Force learning how to become mechanical engineers and aeronautical engineers and scientists and cybersecurity experts, you know, drone operators, they're a whole totally different beast. So we look at that and say, that we want to offer a 21st century solution to the modern vet. And I think that's what entrepreneurship and business ideation does. It says, I have skills that can become viable and create a new opportunity.
1: And of course, on the flip side for defense partners, there's a whole point of view in regard to entrepreneurship and self-employment and having your own business or that sort of category offers you a solution in regard to wanting to take your career with you around the country when you're to different locations. So there's different challenges and different positives in both fields for veterans and defense partners.
2: Yeah, 100%. And that is the lost area, right? A defense partner is in a particular town. They're doing something. The defense person is commissioned to do a job in a particular area and they have support for that. But then there's the partner who is like, okay, so what do I do? Oh, I'm going to establish myself. I kind of relate it back a little bit and don't get the wrong idea, but I worked in media for like, 15 to 20 years before I started doing this. And I worked regionally. So as part of your media apprenticeship, you have to go regional. And when I went regional, my then girlfriend, who then became my fiance, who then became my wife, she traveled with me. She gave her job up in Sydney. She traveled with me to a regional town of about 12,000 people on the north coast of New South Wales. She had to make herself a brand new start. Now, I already had a community with me because I knew my workplace. She had to find a new job. And then of course, we then, I suddenly get a new opportunity and we had to move again. So we moved from a 12,000 population town to a 150, 200,000 population city up in North Queensland. You're going, oh, I've got, to, I've got to meet new people now. Yep, you do. And then we have a family and then she has to meet people, other mums and other mums with children and build that community. So, so that's important, right? And the reason I share that is because Defence Force personnel don't have dissimilar journeys. So my wife wanted to start her own business or she was working in advertising in an advertising administration role before she left. And so it was an important skill set that she could take with her and she could start up her own business knowing, empowering herself to say, I have skills that help me build a community. So I don't want to feel lonely here thinking I can't do anything. Whereas this gives me the opportunity to actually go, actually, no, I've got something that I can offer and I've got a support network beside me and behind me and around me to help me get there
1: being an entrepreneur that's sort of in your blood or you get a taste for something or you have this idea and it sort of just fall into it sometimes. So people that are in that space or that are looking at self-employment or starting a business, how does that work with InnoClub? What programs, what courses, what is actually offered through Inno Club for those people?
2: If I take a step back, one of the things that InnoClub did originally is we would go to a club and say you have some of you like in depending on the state legislation are required to allocate funding to community groups and not-for-profits and other supporting areas because by legislation you have a certain amount of money that you make from poker machine revenue you have to distribute it out and my co-founder and i colin farrell and i looked at it and went you know there must be an opportunity here to be able to say money goes out how do we make that more sustainable How do we get the businesses who are actually receiving funding to go, I want to be more sustainable or more profitable or better at what I'm doing instead of just always going for the handout every year? And that's kind of endemic of a lot of grant processes. And so what we thought was that, hang on, if we can get people through a process where they can become better at business, well, then that grant actually helps them move further on and they may not have to come back for more money or if they do, they can come back for more money to do something else. It's not just the same thing every year. So entrepreneurship and ideation and business building, we see is very important for people to be able to say, I've got an idea, I wanna see if I can make it work. If you're a veteran or a spouse or currently serving ADF, you might go, oh, I've got an idea for this brand new holder for my phone and it would be great because that gives you a chance to do selfies and things. That's a great idea. We don't want you though to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on developing something that won't work. We want you to come to a community like the club, and talk with people within the community, other serving or formerly serving veterans, and say, well, how can I make this idea better and how can I work with you? Oh, you're a web designer. Oh, can you help me build a website? Oh, you're a veteran and you're a computer programmer. Oh, can you help me with this platform development? Oh, you're a veteran and you're an accountant. Okay, I don't understand my legal obligations as a new business owner. So it's creating a brand new community, right? And that's where we think entrepreneurship actually falls into place here. We support veterans and their partners. So one example I can give is in Wagga Wagga, a Defence Force veteran's partner is an academic. She's developed this amazing skills development for essay writing and understanding how to communicate better for school children. Now, I know my boys, for example, can't write essays at school. They struggle. And so we're working with her to redevelop her academic program so that becomes a part of a learning management system and gets distributed to schools. So we're piloting that at the moment with a whole bunch of year 11 students in a school to say, well, here's how we improve your essay writing skills to get you through to the end of school, to get you to some sort of maybe tertiary or vocational study. And if it's not for that, it actually helps you for your business. So if you have to write a grant or you have to write a report or you have to express something in a letter, well, you've got these skills that are starting to build up because that's a gap in the school market. I think that's amazing. And I think it's it's so important that there is a spouse- that is really committed to doing something, something great for the community. And we're a hundred percent, 110% behind that. We love it.
1: Those people have a passion. They have these ideas and either way, they're probably going to go forward with those ideas and try them out. But this way, they're not necessarily fumbling their way through wasting money on different areas when they can come to a club or come and take part in, in a club and actually get advice, support, mentorship, and feedback and general business skills to be able to take that idea forward without wasting time and money on things that they may not necessarily have to do or yeah. explore otherwise.
2: That's the biggest challenge, right? The biggest challenge is how much money do I spend? How much time do I spend? And if you buy yourself, if your partner is working, your partner is serving, you might have a partner that goes to see, they're gone for a long time. And so you've got a lot of time to sit there and reflect. You've also got a lot of time to convince yourself that what you're doing is really good. It's amazing what the mind will do. And it's kind of a mini version of that Stockholm syndrome that by the end of it, I actually like the person that's keeping me captive. And so you go, oh no, I've got this idea. I want to set up like a hamper business. Well, that's great. And then I've come up with the idea of what the niche is and that's all good. And you've put yourself in the position of going, all right, now I'm going to build a website. I'm going to get myself a logo. I'm going to get a designer and I'm going to get this. And you spend tens, maybe even $20,000. And the first question we need to ask is like, have you actually got a market for this? Do you have anyone that is prepared to pay for your product? And if the answer to that question is no, then we need to stop now and save you $20,000, 20, 30000 $50,000. You are literally just burning the money away. And then you go, oh, it didn't work. Oh, it was never going to work. And then suddenly that kind of exhilaration of saying, I found an idea that's going to get us out of a situation. or going to give me some validation or give me a sense of purpose. Reconnect my sense of tribe outside of being in the ADF, being a spouse. That sense of purpose and tribe and that sense of loss when moving is really important. And suddenly you found that. And then six months later, you found that you didn't have it because the idea wasn't going to work in the first place. So yeah, it's really important that we are talking to people in early stages of development.
1: On the flip side, do you have people come through the courses with an idea who are sort of on the fence and they're after support and I guess mentorship in regard to, I have this idea, but it's not quite fully formed. But by the end of the course, they're like even more excited to take it forward as opposed to someone that's overly excited and think that their idea is better than what it is. Do you have people that are converted the other way?
2: Yeah, you get the people who are really excited about an idea that they've got, but by the end of four or five days with us, they go, oh, I hate you. You've just popped my bubble, right? You popped my balloon. But yeah, on the flip side, we do have people that come in and they go, okay, I've got an idea. It needs working. It needs help. And I don't know if this is the right thing but I've got this sense. And entrepreneurs have that real spidey sense that, oh, there's something here. I know that could work. So, yeah, I, I love the fact that somebody came up with that idea that, you know, what is it? Sham painting or Pinot and Picasso. And, and they said, oh, one day, oh, well, we gonna have a glass of wine and we're going to start painting. And I think, great. That really is entrepreneurial to be able to do that and fill a shop front. And say, so, yeah, use a shop front. Instead of putting another hairdresser in town, we're going to put this in. You go, yes, that's a great idea. So what we can do is we could have a couple of different types of people. We could have businesses that are already viable and working and have staff and maybe have turnover, keep them profitable. So we might work with them to talk about diversification. So what are the opportunities for their business next instead of just continually working down the road that that's what we do? We call that the status quo effect. When you get really comfortable in what you do, you keep on doing it. My favourite example of that is the funeral industry. They are stagnant in Australia. It's extraordinary. They're all the same. If you've got any funeral people listening, funeral businesses or or funeral directors or celebrants, they're going to all experience this because the two things that funeral directors try and sell them on, they try and sell themselves on how long they've been around for and that they're family owned. And they actually believe that people make that decision to bury their loved one on the basis that they've been around for 100 years and they're family-owned. They don't. So we help them try and stop being so stagnant and maybe develop an opportunity that will create a new income or serve a better customer need. But then you've got the person who comes in with the idea that says, I don't know if this is actually going to work. Okay, well, let's, let's test it. Let's interview people. Let's ask questions. Let's help you get to the point where you might be able to make an informed decision that this is something that could possibly work. And if I can get you to the informed decision stage, then that means you're actually making a better decision. And so that the next step might be, okay, I'm going to work on a business plan. Fantastic. Let me help you with it. Great. Oh, I've done this. I'm going to work on some interviews great, let's do this. Oh, I'm going to talk to council about the opportunity of interviewing other people or various clubs or various other residents. Great. So if we start to validate what you're doing, then we've actually taken you on a really lovely process to get you to a point.
1: In saying all of what we've said, and someone listening is thinking, this sounds brilliant. This is exactly what I need. Mm. What do they do? How do they sign up? What actually happens? What's the process? And what's the commitment?
2: Mm. So the commitment is that you just sign up and join us. I know it's hard to believe, but we're a charity that serves a purpose for our community. And that is that we want the education results to be free. We want clubs and government and organizations who say that they are committed to veterans and veteran spouses. We want them to invest into what we're doing so that we can actually give something which is a hand up to this community and actually make a difference. So not just say, oh, we do this tick a box. We actually wanna say, no, come to us so that we can help out. So that a veteran who, or a spouse that comes to us, I've got one at the moment. So I've got a spouse who his partner is in the Navy and he wants to start up a Bowen therapy style business. And I go, this is fantastic. Okay, he goes, I had a background in physiotherapy. I had a background in some health. So what are my next steps? Now he's going to come to us and we're going to work through the business plan. We're going to go one-on-one. We're going to do some Zoom sessions. And then we'll make him do the entrepreneurship program. We've got a couple running at the moment over the next six to 12 months. And that may give him the opportunity of then getting some seed funding. So hopefully we give him some money to further develop his idea. And the big thing is we've got to remember these things take time. We can't just make, we're not going to make Google overnight. That's not going to happen. But what we are going to help you is get to a point where you go, oh, I'm making a better informed decision with higher impact at the end of it. And so what we ask people to do is a couple of things. Firstly, InnoClub is our website, innoclub.com.au. There's plenty of registration opportunities there to see what we're doing. Join our mailing list. We send out a newsletter, which is really awesome. I've just employed a new veteran, Tim, who's joined us to manage our veteran entrepreneurship program. And we're looking at a second person as well, military spouse, to help us with some marketing and development work. So we're actually focused on trying to bring the people in that we're supporting into our business to go and support the others in the community. We've got the Veteran Entrepreneurship Program, which is either a four or six-day version that we're running. Uh, one in Townsville, we'll run them in Canberra, another one in Sydney. We've just done one in Corumban in Queensland, all free for anyone to join. And then we do short courses based on some questions So people have asked for things like social media. So we do a social media short course, which is Understanding Social Media and Engagement Strategy. We're looking for opportunities to partner with businesses that actually want to help the veteran and spouse community because we feel if they've got something that they could share, then we want to be a part of it. So for example, if you're a finance institution and you want to share kind of knowledge about how to best transition with through finance or understand superannuation, talk to us because we've got the platform to be able to communicate that out. If you are a cybersecurity organization, you're looking to give people an info session on what it's like to join a cybersecurity firm. Talk to us because we want to get that info out. We are really kind of broad stroked at the moment, which is good because yeah, we don't want to be too narrow. But then as we grow, there may be people who are listening to you who go, actually, I want to be an advocate. I want to work with my local RSL and my local sub branch and my local club to get funding, to get support, to start running courses. Talk to us. Absolutely. We don't want to just be in Southwest Sydney going around Australia, helping other clubs who don't want to chip in. We want everyone to actually make a contribution.
1: Hearing about all of this, this sounds awesome. I've obviously been through the course myself. I received some seed funding and have been able to take that forward and grow my Community Connector program. And that's only going to get bigger and better because of that and because of the mentorship that I had from you and Colin and the advice about my program and how I should go forward with things. What kind of impact? can taking part in one of the inner club courses, aside from my experience, have on a veteran and and a defence partner's life.
2: There are a couple of kind of elements there in terms of the impact that we could offer, like for the continuation of a business or the startup of the business. I look at one particular participant from a program, one of our first programs that we did set up a business that has just received a half million dollar funding grant, series A funding grant from a bank. And so it's working quite well. There's another, which is really well established in the mental health space, is challenged in its revenue streams. So we're working with them in order to help them get to a point where we can actually then take them to somebody who might be able to provide that revenue opportunity. So in terms of the benefits for business, that's two examples. But then there's the benefit to the community. The benefit doesn't necessarily have to be financial and kind of tangible in that respect. We are passionate about the fact that clubs have a purpose within community and we want to make them a 21st century solution to a 21st century problem. And we don't want this situation where they keep on knocking at the door going, oh, we need younger members. We don't have any younger members. Well, why don't we let us come in and have an impact by creating a new opportunity for your members. So younger members come in and they form a new community that then helps sustain the legacy. So in terms of impact, that's what we want to do. We want to see impact in a number of different areas. One, success. Two, reconnection of tribe and sense of purpose. And those things are very important when it comes to the viability and success of of a person. You know, just think of it personally. If I've got a community and I've got people around me and I'm empowered to do something, I'm in a much better space. We get a lot of criticism. What we're doing is challenging the model because we want to make it really clear that just because you're a veteran, it doesn't mean you're broken. Just because you're a spouse, it doesn't mean you're left behind. And there's this need for broader messages to say, oh, that's the only thing we can latch on to. That is really difficult for us because it's like, no, we don't want that. We want to make this a great community and be proud of what we do. And everyone needs to be proud of what they do.
0: Nine out of ten defense spouses wish they found out about defense banks sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up, and they do sponsor my podcast. But I've checked them out, and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning and currently has a rating of 4.8 out of 5 in both the app and Google Play Store. It does everything a big bank app does, with cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, PIN change functionality, savings roundup, spend tracker. The list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a Defence Bank branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia and with many of their branch staff a defence spouse or partner, you'll be talking to someone who just gets it. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au.
1: Is part of the pushback that you have because you're different?
2: Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because and you know, I hope your listeners understand this when I say Part of the pushback would be when we walk in the door and we have a chat to other external service organisations or ASOs, it's because our opening sentence is not, we're here to prevent, and then you go, oh, okay. No, no, we're not, that's not, our sense of purpose is not about preventing a particular problem or identifying it. They're professionals in that space. There are organisations that are very good at what they do, that have been set up by government in that space. Not our job to do it. I can't, I don't know anything about that in the respect that I can't walk in and set up a business and physically help people in that space. What I can do is I can say, you know what, instead of making this about a handout just to put a band aid on, why don't we remind ourselves what our sense of purpose is as a community and let's give a hand up and actually create a better place? It'll be. Evolution. (laughs) It seems like revolution at the moment. I worked with a CEO who now has a very highly engaged business podcast and he went into podcasting. And I remember him saying, you know, it really, when it comes to transformation and change, especially for this the veteran market, it's evolution, not revolution. Because if you go in and try and cause a revolution, they'll just shut up, shop and leave. So we have to take people on the journey and we're taking them on the journey one RSL sub branch at a time.
1: Like you mentioned, the extra benefit of that is that you're creating something for this new generation of veterans who may be younger because the average time that veterans stay in defence are eight or nine years. So they have the opportunity to step out and still be in their 20s and still be looking for ways to start another career and They're not necessarily thinking, okay, I'll go and connect with my local RSL, but you're providing them something to connect in with that's modern and something that they relate to and connect with.
2: That's the point you've made. Exactly. We were in Townsville a few weeks ago at the transition seminar, and I met a couple of guys there who were transitioning out. And I looked at them. I was like, guys, do you have ID? Like, you look like you've got an umbilical cord attached. Like, seriously, how old are you? And they were in their mid-30s, and they had been in defense for nearly 20 years. And I was like, what? Started when they're 18, and they're about to hit 38. And I'm like going, what? That's 20 years. I was thinking, what was I doing when I was 38? And it's a totally different ball game. And so these 38-year-olds who are talking about, they've got exceptional skills in particular areas and they're wanting to do something. And, and unfortunately, there's no recognition of prior learning. That makes another issue that has to be dealt with in terms of government and education. But then there's some old bloke who comes up in a branded shirt and he's, and he's probably 80 in the shade. And he walks up and he goes, oh, g'day guys, you're going to come up to the club for a beer later on. It's like, man, you are my grandfather what association like no we, we actually want to talk about this platform that we're going to develop which is going to be about using cars on the street to replace taxis and we're thinking of calling it uber and the old bloke's looking at them going yeah i don't know you young people got these ideas and then walks off doesn't it's,
1: sound like it'll take off to me but <laughs> yeah
2: it's never gonna work I mean, good luck guys i hope it all goes <laughs> well for you but if you feel like a beer and a chat come over it's like no we've just missed the sense of purpose right so you're right. When you see this younger generation come through and when you go to garrison towns like Townsville and Canberra is probably a bit older, the older demographics there, and there was more spouses. But when you go through these other places like Ipswich or Townsville, you actually see young couples. I had three children under 10 when they're thinking of transitioning out when I was their age. And I go, okay, this is what I have to understand about that. Ma. I can't put my biases on their decisions and their life. What I think of them, it doesn't matter. I have to support them because they're a new, younger breed of people.
1: With younger veterans comes in most cases younger spouses as well, which is a whole other set of needs and ways of connecting within the community. Like you said, they're not younger spouses are not necessarily, even when their defense members away or they're living apart or deployed or whatever's happening, their first instance is not necessarily I'll go down to my local RSL and connect yeah. that way. And like you mentioned, 38-year-olds have a whole lot of life to live, they're not necessarily popping down to the RSL on a Thursday for a beer. They're going to work. They're going to run their business or whatever they're doing to work for the next 20 years.
2: If I use women as an example in terms of spouses and the best example going forward of young spouses is to go, how do people engage with each other now? You look at the Gen Zs and what is their need and requirement in terms of communication? Well, life is digital, right? They are 100% digital natives. And I kid you not, I've had organizations very high up within the chain of people we're talking to say, oh, but um, the people who transition out, they're not, they're not digital savvy. And I'm there going, oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, you don't need a receipt book. Okay. You don't need a carbon copy receipt book for your fees or anything. It's like these people are completely on the, every, all life is on the phone. So then communication changes, right? So if you're a transitioning spouse, especially if understanding their transition will be very different.
1: In saying that, like you mentioned, it is a digital world now. It's fantastic that everyone can be involved, participate and connect in, get the information support that they need. But we have kind of stepped away from that community and connection and that, in person just can't replicate. We're coming around to the fact and lots of people are realising that even with the online, we still need to solidify that with the face-to-face.
2: Yeah, that's right. So uh, there are two things there. Firstly, as a community, we have to start offering better digital services. We have to be better connected in terms of our digital offerings to our families and our veterans and our spouses. There has to be something better right? Then what is there? Because what is there is just, oh, that's oh, I'm just an old person looking at it. This must be the solution. And then the second thing is, and I support your point 100% here, and that is that yeah, sometimes the phone isn't the solution. And that idea of having that nurturing back to nature, face-to-face, primal contact with people makes a difference. Personal connection is really important. And we thrive for it. We actually need it and we need to do it the right way. So that idea that when, especially when spouses are in areas and they don't have anyone to talk to, the phone is not the answer. The computer is not the answer. They need to be face-to-face with somebody to go, all right, hi, there's a physical person that I can actually connect to, makes all the difference.
1: Exactly. And that's what we've talked about in the past and where the Community Connectors Program came from, yep. is that Defence partners and families are missing that during service and then defence members are missing that after service.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah, 100% correct. I couldn't agree with you more.
1: What are some of the key areas Inner Club will be focusing on in the near future? What's coming up for Inner Club?
2: Our plan at the moment is that we're in Townsville for our entrepreneurship program in August, end of August and the beginning of September. And then by the end of the year, we should have hopefully run another one of the entrepreneurship programs in Canberra. By the end of the year, we should have run a short course of some sort every month. We're also kind of working quite hard on focusing our constitution and DGR status to finalize that because our next step will be to then build our board. So while we're working and we're getting funding, we're actually building a board, we're building our advisory committee, we're talking with a number of overarching RSL groups who are looking at entrepreneurship on a broad state-based level. And so that's something that we might engage with because being micro is good for us. If in 12 months time, we have a couple of little hubs and we can fund somebody to be in a hub to organize what we're doing and be an inner club representative, and they're a veteran or a spouse, fantastic. You know what? That's great. And if there's somebody who's listening who wants to do it, please be in touch. If there's somebody who is a perfect small business operator and wants to start up their own you know club hub, let's do it, and we'll support you and we'll give you everything you need to get there. We're equally as passionate about the success. And, but at the end of next year, we might be in a position which is more than just a couple of little hubs and a couple of little business centers and a couple of this. So for us, we've come out of a pandemic. We developed through two years of pandemic. So we didn't stop. We started. The world shut down, but we kept on moving and developing. So we've kind of now come out of the shell and we're just doing as much as we can face to face. And it's made an enormous difference. Even just going to the transition seminars, we expect that we'll have well over a thousand in our community in the next couple of months. And that should double by the end of the year. That's just the community that we're building just by starting the courses, getting it going, creating some sort of interest and momentum and what we love is that there are other people out there who are part of us who kind of come back to us and say hey uh we're thinking of doing um we're going to like do a zoom session with the people who are in our course can you can you organize can you get everyone on board it would just be nice to catch up and we do that so on a friday afternoon we catch up yeah say good day. so yeah it's a busy 12 months ahead with a lot of vision attached to it but we are absolutely 100% committed to achieve what we're going to achieve. And we'll be knocking on the doors of decision makers and organisations and clubs and RSLs and government in order to say, this is something that you need. Because at the end of 12 months, right, we were in a real situation. We have funding to a certain point, but we don't want to get to a point where we go, oh, well, they couldn't fund it. We had to stop. And everyone goes, oh, but that was such a great idea. Why did it stop? It's like, well, because you didn't want to support it. Because you thought that it was more important to give a handout and just forget about things and brag about another Band-Aid that you put on. Whereas now we can actually make a change.
1: Part of it is just educating the people that have always given the tick to the standard organisations that are out there that are providing the same stuff. Like you said, sometimes it's just easier to go with the same instead of taking a risk and trying something new. If it was to come to the point where you did run out of funding and you did have to just let it go because you don't have the funds to keep it going, it would be a shame because you're going against the status quo for a reason, because veterans and spouses need something more than what already exists.
2: Exactly right. And we are prepared to really challenge that and to keep challenging that, even to the point where it takes a little bit, but there are some groups who we've been a part of expos and various events and we've said, can we speak? Can we, can we actually present? And they've gone, no, no, we can't do that because you're not mental health charity and you're not financial management. And it's like, are they the only things that you can talk about? Well, yeah, that's what people come for. And it's like, oh, really? Is that, is that all this is about? Because I think what you're doing is the same, same. You're not challenging the outcome. Yeah, you know, we are. Let us talk. And what happens is that we've spoken at events and we've spoken in organizations and expos and things, and the reaction is unbelievable. We get people who literally walk up, like even just going to Townsville like alone, we haven't even started selling that and we're already half full. And that's just from saying, well, let's do it. We've got people into a point where they've gone, no, actually, I want this. I want, I need, I want to do this. And so we're hitting a need. <laughs> we're hitting a need. We can prove the need. And we're very proud of that. And we will keep on fighting, but also supporting. We want to be a part of the support program. We don't want to tell other ESOs what to do and other groups that they can't do it. But we want to be a part of that support program. So when they're talking about options for when you transition or when you leave or when you want to start a business or when you want to do something, come and speak. And that's one of the great challenges that would be a very difficult thing anyway. Is like trying to get, people when they're active in service and then trying to be able to talk to people when they're active in service and then trying to feed them an idea that maybe here's an option for you but then there are all these rules and regulations about talking to people when they're in service and what you can suggest and how you can take them it's like okay that's now we're just opening up a can of worms that's when
1: you just need to connect with spouses because spouses are the ones that tell the defense members everything
2: (laughs) that's why we're friends
1: (laughs) exactly where can the defence community find out more information about Inner Club, look at signing up for one of the courses, getting involved, how do they get in contact or even figure out if there's a course happening in their location and what's sort of happening?
2: Our website, innerclub.com.au, has information for everything. It includes the opportunity to register into a newsletter. It has the opportunity to register for an entrepreneurship program, which if we get the numbers near you by postcode, we'll start developing it. Plus, the newsletter will give you information about when our course courses are running. It'll give you the chance to register for a number of short courses. We're about to put up some free resources up there. So you'll start to see things like free videos and elements on, for example, how to build a lean canvas model, which is a really basic principle of starting up your own business and understanding that can be a bit confronting. Those free resources are going up. And then in terms of the education element, we have our own learning management system, which is attached to the website. There's a lot of information there that people can get from web, from Facebook, from LinkedIn. We want you to be a part of that community. Now, LinkedIn is a great community, right? LinkedIn and Facebook are great communities if they're used properly. And there are so many veteran groups that are out there with like tens of 20s of thousands of people and there's no engagement. That blows my mind. I just, I just don't understand why they're not engaging at all. Like, not even, not even a post that's getting a like. And so even though that's a vanity metric and I go, oh, man. So find us through any of those channels. We will respond. We're onto it. We will be a part of the communication straight away. And then if you feel like you want to have one of these courses face-to-face in your area, tell us. If you feel that you want to do some one-on-one mentorship, send us an email. If you feel that there's a short course that you want to do, register and get on board. It's all free. If you feel that you want to have a conversation with your RSL or your local club and get some support, call us and we'll be a part of that meeting with you because we want to advocate for your support as well.
1: Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Chris, and telling us all about InnoClub and how people can get involved and even just informing people that it's out there so that if in the future they do have an idea or they do decide to go forward and look at setting up their own business or want to get involved in some way, they have the knowledge there and they can look you up when and
0: if the time comes.
2: Thank you and keep up the great work. You are a superstar.
0: I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this.